Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. This is your host, Paul Marquis. And uh, do I have a treat for you today? Uh, on uh, the show today, we have guest Lenny Macrina from uh, Champion PT and Performance down in Boston. Welcome, Lenny. Thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Love to uh, share some knowledge and hopefully uh, just get the word out on what we're doing. So, uh, so Lenny, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, I know you guys are getting a little snow down there in Massachusetts today, aren't you? Yeah, it's a little snow, about 15 to 20 inches. So we'll, we'll deal with it and we'll, we'll go back to work tomorrow. <laughs> super. That sounds good. So I, I know this is kind of last minute for you and I really appreciate your time. I know that you're a super busy guy and, uh, and, uh, I really appreciate this. So a little bit about Lenny. Uh, you know, he, he is the director of physical therapy at Champion PT and performance, also the co-founder and, uh, has worked side by side with renowned orthopedic surgeon, Dr. James Andrews, and also with a prominent physical therapist, Kevin Wilk. I love those guys. I've been to their courses. Mm-hmm. I, I follow Kevin Wilk stuff to the T and, and they've been uh, really, really great advocates of, of what we do and uh, really passionate about uh, getting people better in the orthopedic world. So that's been a, a super thing. And um, so you also uh, are really well respected in the field of orthopedics and sports medicine. I know that you've been a physical therapist and a certified sports physical therapist by the American PT Association also a strength, a certified strength and conditioning specialist by the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So you've been a physical therapist for since 2003, correct? Yeah, about 15 years now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thanks for the introduction. I know Dr. Andrews and Kevin are big influences in my in my life and also uh, my business partner, Mike Reinald as well. He's uh, definitely influenced, uh, def- influences me and pushes me daily because he's my business partner down at Champion in, in Boston. So don't want to not men- mention him. No, I know. I, I listen to everything you guys do, and uh, it's absolutely super. I mean, uh, I really like that, and um, your shows are absolutely awesome. So uh, we're going to keep looking at them. I know everybody here at our staff, we have uh, 14, 15 therapists on staff, and uh, most of them uh, watch everything you guys do, and uh, you guys are really well-respected up here in uh, in northern Maine. So awesome. uh, we appreciate I it. really appreciate that. <laughs> and um, you know, one of the reasons I had you on, Lenny, is, is because of your passion. And I watch you. I watch some of your podcasts, and I listen to some of your blogs and things like that and, and your passion to to get people better and and to do a little bit more and, and and go above and beyond what everybody else is doing is just absolutely spectacular so uh that's really the number one reason i had you on i know you're loaded with knowledge uh talk to me a little bit about uh some of the journals that you've had some articles in yeah i mean when that was my time back in birmingham we do a little bit now but um, when i was with kevin and, and dr andrews and glenn fleissig at asmi the american sports medicine institute that was just a, a hotbed it was just basically a an area where we could just do a ton of research and get stuff out. So working with Kevin gave me access to uh, be able to do that stuff. So we would uh, publish some of our data, especially that we did in baseball, some of our spring training data that we did with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Actually, we started off collecting the data with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and then they became the Tampa Bay Rays, used a lot of that data to publish some of our stuff in JOSPT, uh, Sports Health, the American Journal of Sports Medicine, uh, Clinical Orthopedics and Related Research, uh, some of the big journals that I think are the more popular journals that PTs and, and, and doctors kind of go towards when they're looking to gain some knowledge. So it's, it was a good opportunity. And Mike and I are actually got about where we got a paper that we're putting out right now 
uh, that's going to go in the sports sports health journal. That's one of the journals you get when you're a sports section member of the APTA. It's going to be on weighted balls. So uh, with a, you know a lot of baseball kids uh, and adults are using weighted balls to try to increase velocity. So we got that paper that is in review right now in the Journal of Sports Health. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So you treat a lot of uh, pitchers, baseball players. I take it. We do. Yeah, that's uh, kind of our niche down in uh, Boston is uh, baseball. Uh, baseball pitchers, especially catchers. Um, but then we also have three other therapists as well that work in our practice. So we get a ton of gymnastics, we get a ton of CrossFit, and we get some golfers as well. And just the regular athlete, you know, the not just professional athletes, but a small portion of what we do, but we get athletes of all types that come into our facility. So we see it all, uh, you know, kind of on a higher level. Uh, but still, we, we see people either post-surgical or just trying to get better. They're not hurt. They just want to improve their performance. So they find us. Right. I think people are becoming a little more aware of the, the need to um, do preventative medicine, you know, be healthy before they Correct. have an injury. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's a, a real growing thing. We're seeing it even up here in northern Maine where we don't see high level athletes, but uh, we do a lot of uh, three sport athletes. And um, and so that we're seeing a lot of that. So that's a that's a real good thing for our, especially our youngsters who are coming up and uh, want to do some higher level uh, sports stuff. Yeah, I mean, having uh, being in Massachusetts, we have full direct access. I don't know what the rules are in, in Maine, but we have full direct access, which means people can see us uh, as much as they want, uh, and and they take advantage of that. They they I think they know those rules, or they they don't realize that a lot of times you need a prescription in other states. So they just think you can come to PT and not need to see a doctor, and they're fine with that. And they they we are the first line of defense for a lot of people. Absolutely. We're, we're a referral source for many doctors in the area. We're sending people to Mass General, Brigham, uh, Beth Israel Hospital, Brigham and Women's. We're sending people all over as a referral source to surgeons if we think something's going on that you know needs a, a further consult. Yeah, absolutely. And we and in Maine, same thing. We have direct access, and uh, I see people off the street on a daily basis. Yeah. So, you know, while we're on that topic, um, you know, because you and I see so many orthopedic and sports patients, uh, we. we you know, oftentimes we'll, we'll have to put a diagnosis. And when we, when we go to school, they say, well, you're a therapist. You really cannot diagnose right, right. patients. Okay. But <laughs> I, I mean, how often do we get a diagnosis that says a shoulder pain and we have to figure it out. And right. then we have to really, uh, put that program to that diagnosis. So, you know, let's say somebody comes in and uh, they're referred to you by a physician and, um, <clears throat> you are dead set on a different diagnosis. They've come in with a certain diagnosis and right. you, think, you know what? I, I've seen a lot of this. I, I really know what it is. Um, I know it's not that I want to treat it like this. How do you approach the, the physician in, in that situation? Uh, what is it that you like to do and um, what makes that transition as smooth as possible without being kind of offensive toward the physician? Right. First off, I never want to be offensive to another medical professional. So that's number one. Um, never try to make a doctor or another PT look bad. Um, I tend to wear my emotions on my sleeve. If you haven't figured that out in the podcast, our uh, Ask My Grinal podcast. So I do my best to not you know, uh, make anybody else look like they were inferior to me because I certainly don't know everything. Um, but with that, we do see that frequently. Um, that people come in with a diagnosis either of just shoulder pain or um, I don't I don't know maybe it says impingement you know it's kind of that wastebasket term and you dive a little deeper and it seems to be cervical spine or maybe it's thoracic outlet we see a lot of that in baseball players and we need to make an appropriate uh, diagnosis because that's going to affect our treatment we're going to treat thoracic outlet a lot differently than a shoulder impingement type uh, thing or diagnosis so. 
I will be pretty straightforward that this is what I think is going on. These, you know, these tests tend to prove what I'm finding. Um, and I will treat it as that way again, because I, I can do that in my state and I can do that, uh, not necessarily under the guidance of, of what the doctor is saying, uh, but because of, I'm treating the symptoms, I'm, uh, excuse me, I'm treating the presentation, not the symptoms. So I'm treating if, if they are having some kind of thoracic outlet or if they're having some kind of, uh, what appears to be rotator cuff, but it's labrum. I'm going to treat the presentation. I'm going to treat the movement dysfunction more so than anything. I'm not treating a pathology. So, you know, they tend to buy in pretty quickly when I, I, I go towards that, that line of, of talking and, uh, you know, it tends to win them over. And again, I, my situation is a little different. I'm not dealing with insurance companies, so I'm not dealing with, um, you know, I'm out of network and we're cash based our clinic. So it's a little different that I don't need to have a specific diagnosis because I'm not, I have to come up with the ICD 10 code for people, but that's going to be on them to have to get reimbursement from the insurance company. Right. I'm treating, I'm treating them. I'm treating their presentation. And we do it with an SFMA or some kind of other screen. We're, uh, we're, we're screening them, and that's what we're treating. Right, right. Um, so, you know, a while back I had done an episode. It was episode 10 in the Ortho Valpal podcast. It was how to connect with specialists better. Do you have any tidbits of information that would be really, really good for a young physical therapist who are very frustrated with trying to connect to a specialist. And you know how difficult it was when you were a new grad, you, you came out of school, you were nervous talking to physicians right. and uh, you just wanted to get yourself introduced and into the picture. Yeah. Uh, and, and I have a bunch of tidbits in that particular podcast, but I'd like to hear from you you know, what would the young therapist uh, do to try to connect? And, and it doesn't even need to be a young therapist. It could right. be an FMP. Yeah. It could be a PA. It could be an athletic trainer yeah. who, who really wants to connect with that physician. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a tricky one uh, because I was fortunate when I was in Alabama that I could – I had access to the docs. I mean, almost 24 hours a day, I could, and I almost still do those, those guys. It depends on the doctor's group, really, because right now I could text Dr. Andrews world-renowned orthopedic surgeon, and I guarantee he responds to me within a half hour at the latest. It, it, it would be longer if he's in the middle of a surgery, but the relationship that we've built with doctors, not only in Birmingham, but even in Boston, that I can send a text message to somebody and, and just get the word out on an opinion or, hey, can we chat? I got something I want to I share with you. Um, how that happens, I think it's not necessarily in that professional environment, meaning I'm not going to their office uh, all the time and bringing them donuts. I think that's a, a, we're going down the wrong avenue with that. I think it's going to meetings. It's going to meetings in the area. You know, MGH has meetings. Uh, uh, Beth Israel has me sports, sports meetings. Harvard has meetings in the area in Boston. Um, I, I speak at the uh, injuries and baseball course that ASMI puts on every year. I mean, there are doctors just roaming the area and they see you doing that stuff, speaking at these places. You now take things to a different level when you're when you're speaking to them. You can now approach them, I think, often, in, in, you know, in the crowd or just at dinner or at a luncheon and just and just chat with them and get. To, I did this the other a uh, couple months ago with Dr. Chris Ahmad at uh in new york so he's he's at columbia presbyterian hospital he has sent us some people but i had never met chris amad this is the team doctor for the yankees so i went over approached him just you want know, to introduce myself i have access to i got his cell phone i have his email i can do anything i want with with dr amad now because he now sees me as a peer he sees me as somebody he can trust with information he sees somebody that he can trust with an opinion and that's a huge that's a game changer for pt is to be able to get that communication 
with the doctor and the PT and the athletic trainer and the PA, anybody that's involved in that right. in that person's care. It's a game changer. Trust me to be to be able to communicate on the same level with the team. Uh, I think that's why they're so successful successful in Birmingham. That you know, Dr. Andrews and his group, and that, now he's down at Gulf Breeze. But you know, Kevin and and myself, when we were down there, we had, like I said, open access to that group. We could talk to them whenever we needed them, and we still do. Funny story about Dr. Andrews. I called him last September about somebody who had PRP injection in his elbow, and he, you know, I called his cell. He answered his phone, and he said, "Hey, Lenny, what's going on?" He said, "Hey, Dr. Andrews, got a t- question about so and so." And he said, hold on, I'm in a cafe in Venice. So he's, no he's sitting in a cafe in Venice. Now, they were five, six hours ahead of us. So it's probably eight, nine o'clock at night. He answered his phone. He said, hold on, let me, let, me get in, let me get into an area where I can talk with you. And we started talking about this kid's elbow while he's sitting in a cafe that in Venice. That is awesome. With the team owner of the Washington Redskins. You know yeah. what I mean? So he stepped away from you know, Daniel Snyder, essentially, to speak with me about this college kid's elbow. So that's nice. the relationship that you need to have with your surgeon or your referral sources, you know? Right. I think that it's important that when you send a patient to a physician that um, you have a, you know, you understand the diagnosis, you get the diagnosis right when you send it to them, you know, and that may take a little extra research, especially as a young therapist, you know, talk to your colleagues, talk to your mentors, um, break open the books, you know, look at some of the information, look at the specialists like yourself and Mike Reinald and and ask those questions. Um, And, and, make sure you have the diagnosis right before you go to the orthopedic surgeon. And I think that's huge so that they know that you understand what you're talking about. Right. They'll, they'll develop some trust in you that way. The other right. thing that I've done with them, I've never bought a donut or a meal for a, a doctor, to be honest with you, um, because I think we've built a reputation. I have a cell phone full of cell phone right. numbers. Right. Um, and, and that's pretty cool because when we need them for really important things, they'll talk to us and they know that we're going to call and it's not going to be about a hangnail. It's going to be about something that's serious. Right. And uh, so that's, uh, you know, I, I think that's one of the ways you need to really build that reputation uh, with right. the physician. Uh, make sure that you utilize their time and respect them and respect yep. their time. Uh, and I think that's big. Right. Yeah. Definitely don't cry wolf. You don't want to abuse that privilege and you don't want to make them look bad. Like I know you, uh, you, you, I know you said it's impingement, but I definitely think it's cervical spine. You just don't want to make them look bad. You know, there's definitely egos involved, especially when you're dealing with orthopedic surgeons. So they know it. Um, I joke around about it, but it, I think it's true. And I think we all have our little egos about ourselves. So we just need to, you know, clearly uh, present our case and, uh, and, and confidently. And, you know, again, go treat the findings, you're not necessarily treating a diagnosis. You yep. know, so. Right, right. And I always ask them also before, uh, you know, I always say, how how do you like to be contacted? You know, what is the best way that right. I can get in touch with you and, and what works for you? And I have some I have some physicians that say I don't answer my cell phone, but I I email all the time. So I'll email a neurosurgeon down in right. Portland, Maine. And between cases, he'll respond right back to me. But if right. I if I text him, yeah. I'll never I'll never hear back. You know, so knowing what oh, they like, uh, right. putting it in their ball court is important. Right. Definitely. Super. So Lenny, let me get into a couple of questions um, uh, about some orthopedic uh, physical therapy things. Um, if you are treating a patient with impingement syndrome to the shoulder, right? how long do you like to treat him in therapy and treat him conservatively before you say, you know what, I think there's something else going on here. We need to intervene. We need to get an MRI, an injection, or, or right. send this patient to an orthopedic uh, surgeon. How long do you like to generally go with those folks before you make those decisions? Yeah, it's, it varies, but I would say I get a good feel with somebody after, I would say, a few visits. 
Like it doesn't take long for me to, uh, if they should be able to feel a pretty, not a significant change, but they should come back and say, I feel a little better, or I think we're going down the right path after a couple visits. And I want, for me, a couple visits is a couple weeks because I'm seeing people once a week or once every other week. I'm not seeing people two to three times a week, like the prescriptions generically say. So that once a week, I see somebody, I give them exercises and they're going to do them at home. That next time they come in, they better be feeling a little better. If they don't, I'll give them a little bit more time. I'll give them another session. I'll give them more time to do their homework, their home exercise program. And then, you know, two, three, four weeks at the most, I'm starting to turn my, you know, the wheels are going off in my head and I'm thinking, um, all right, we either have to, you know, pivot and change what we're doing, or maybe they need further assessment. Maybe they do need to get a referral to a doc to get an injection or an MRI, something like that. So I would say pretty quickly for myself will be, you know, three, four weeks at the most, I think. I don't know if you have a a different tape off. I usually go four to six weeks um, yeah. and it's only because, you know, we, we may see a little different population of patients than you see. Yeah. Um, and so I give them a little bit more time and do a lot of education on how to, you know, avoid the impingement, you know, yeah. not a lot oh, yeah, of cross body motion, not a yeah. lot of overhead activity, uh, retraining the scapula muscles. But yeah, I'm, and uh, sometimes getting them onto a little non-steroidal anti-inflammatory seems to help settle Correct. things down a little bit yeah. if they can tolerate that. I, I will also say that when I say at three or four weeks, hey, maybe we, we want to go to the doc, but if we go to the doc, surgeons want to do surgery. So if they do an MRI, they're probably going to find something on your shoulder. Because if we do an MRI on most people, they're going to find something. So you better be ready to want to have further uh, treatment that's not going to just be PT. Either, either it's going to be an injection or it could be surgery if we open up this can of worms you know, called an MRI. You right. know. Exactly. So Dr. Andrews used to always say, if you want an excuse to do surgery, get an MRI. And I tell that to people, yep. you know, and that it kind of opens their eyes and like, whoa, yeah, maybe let's just give it a little bit more time, you know, sure, and then sure. next, thing, next thing you know, it's four to six weeks and, and we're, and we're, you know, hopefully cruising or at least a little bit better. But yeah, it's definitely uh, as long as possible. I am definitely an advocate for, to to hold off sending them back to the dock as long as possible. Yeah. Now I've seen these acute uh, rotator cuff impingements that mimic rotator cuff tears. You know, they're so inflamed and so impinged. Do you see that also where they, you know, they can barely lift that arm or they're really hiking a lot. Um, Do you see that? Yeah, we do see that. And, um, you know, the research is starting to you know, kind of be poo-poo on, uh, not to use the word poo-poo in your podcast, but um, it's starting to not be so positive with surgeries. <laughs> you know, the more we see about knee surgery and shoulder surgery, you know, it seems like people with even full thickness rotator cuff tears, they do almost just as well, you know, statistically speaking. And if you look at some of the newest research, than having their rotator cuff repaired. That being said, I still think there's a definite place for rotator cuff repair. There are certain people that need that. Um, They don't respond to non-op treatment, but I think a a good course of working on range of motion, getting the shoulder to calm down, activity modification, uh, anti-inflammatories that are prescribed by a doc or, you know, whoever else, PA or nurse practitioner, um, and just throwing the kitchen sink at them to give them a chance to, A, calm the shoulder down, because if they do have a surgery, you don't want to go having a surgery when their shoulder's all inflamed, or B, give them a chance to avoid surgery. So to me, I'm, uh, I'm going to throw the kitchen sink at them, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be their number one advocate, their number one cheerleader to get them feeling better. I can't imagine, you know, lying in bed, writhing in pain because my shoulder's throbbing, you know? So try to put yourself in that position, be what they're going through. Uh, I think the empathy portion of of PT is huge and understanding what people are, are going through as best as you can, even if you haven't lived it. And I think if you see from their eyes, I think you're going to, you're going to, it's going to push you even harder to, to do everything you can for them. 
Absolutely. I mean, we spend so much more time with patients than physicians right. do. And, yeah. and, you know, you really get to know them a little more intimately and, and you understand their shoulder situation a lot better. So, right. Um, yeah. So that's great. And we actually had a, a shoulder fellowship uh, trained shoulder specialist uh, here in Maine tell some of our patients recently that, listen, I don't want to do shoulder surgery on your small rotator cuff there because the research is showing that PT right. is, you know, doing just as well after 12 months. And, uh, and that's, that's really encouraging that the physicians are, are backing us up and, yeah, definitely. you know, and as long as we know what we're doing and, and they have confidence in us, uh, we definitely can head those people in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, next question I have to you, uh, have for you is uh, regarding anterior shoulder instability. Yeah. Now somebody dislocates their shoulder. It's acute dislocation. It's a complete dislocation. Um, what is your thought on immobilizing them? Uh, it depends. It depends on, uh, their age. It depends on their activity level. Um, a younger person, um, may want to immobilize them just a little, just to kind of slow them down. You know, the younger meaning, you know, that 15 to 22 year old who's more likely to have a dislocation. There's a study that came out in, what was it, uh, like 2004 maybe, um, that showed that uh, the number one, the number one attribute to re-dislocating is age. if you are younger, you're going to probably re-dislocate just because of your tissue quality and your activity level. You just a little crazier in what you do. Um, so I'll probably like to see them immobilized a little longer in the 40 plus year old, so to speak, like myself, um, I probably, you know, immobilization relative for pain tolerance. And once they get comfortable, probably try to get them out of there because they're probably going to get stiff that 40 plus their shoulder is going to stiffen up on its own. Um, and we don't want to get them too stiff. Now we want to get some early range of motion going for pain control and, you know, collagen realignment, all that stuff that we work on proprioception. But uh, that younger person, I would say immobilize them for probably a week or two, if, if possible, get that shoulder to calm down, get that shoulder stable and uh, let that person know they need to slow down, slow themselves down a little. Right, right. So, so you're an advocate of starting PT pretty early on. Yeah, I guess that's starting that's, to get I, some some co-contraction, you know, and, I, yeah. and uh, rhythmic stabilization, that type of thing. My Birmingham upbringing, um, we got you know post-op day one, whether it's a short uh, uh, surgery or <laughs> injury day one, we got people in right away uh, and got them moving. I think it, I think it comes down to being able to educate the person. Otherwise, that person is just floating around uh, without knowing what to do. They're, they're they're searching Dr. Google for some information on what they should do, and that's very worrisome when they start Google searching because now they their minds start going crazy with what they should be doing or. How come I'm not doing this? Why am I feeling this? And they have no outlet. They have nowhere to go to, they're not going to call the doctor and, and, and get an opinion. The doctor's not going to necessarily get back to them. So I think getting us in the equation early on to be able to educate, uh, get some get some range of motion going on early, uh, give them maybe some isometrics, give them education on brace use, give them education on heating and icing and some modalities they can do at home. I think that's invaluable for them. And it gets you that early care where you get to understand that person. And now they have access to you. I know in my practice, most people have my cell phone and my email. So they can email me or call or text me uh, whenever they want if they have an issue. So, you know, right. you know, it's a Saturday and my shoulder's throbbing. What do I do? You know, probably ice it, you know, something like that. And let's just get you on the schedule for next week, you know, and we can do it that way. So I think being an advocate for the patient is huge. So getting them in the system early with somebody they trust, I think is invaluable. 
Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I did a uh, I did a Facebook post the other day about Dr. Google and gizmos and gadgets Ugh. that people get too involved with. And really, yeah. it scares me. Uh, I really try to keep people away from that as much as possible. And they really yeah. drive themselves down the, the wrong direction. Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, next question I have is uh, I hear that you guys have a, a cash based practice, PT practice. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about how that works? How, how long have you guys been doing that? I know that we've been talking about doing some things like this. We wanted to start a um, uh, we call the annual PT checkup. So instead of just going for your regular physical with your doctor, you get a real like one hour with us. We, right. we look at everything from balance to your functional ability and, and, and all these yeah. things. And we, and we'd like to use that as a cash based practice, but we're, I'm wondering, can you do some insurance based practice and cash base or does it have to be all or none? Yeah. It, it depends on your state regulations and all that, but I know all of us are out of network where we, none of us have contracts signed with any insurances. So that might be an issue. And, and it comes down to, I think also the business's NPI um, and also the, 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 the PT that's seeing them, their NPI, what it's attached to billing wise. So all I came from Alabama, so I had no contracts in Massachusetts. Uh, so I could just kind of come up here and, and not worry. Uh, we had one of our PTs, Dave Tilly, was working in Massachusetts. So he had to get rid of all of his contracts with Blue Cross, Cigna, Aetna, and all that. Because if you see somebody and you are uh, already contracted, you need to officially bill for in-network benefits and you can't see them cash-based from what we understand. Now, we've had to deal with lawyers and all that to get all that uh, comfortably understood. But um, for us, our cash-based practice, we're five PTs. We're involved in Massachusetts. Um, we see, you know, like I said, a lot of high-level athletes, and we give an hour of one-on-one care with them. So, And we also have the fitness side of the business too. So it kind of – people go in and out from PT to fitness and fitness to PT, hopefully not that often when they're coming to see us for PT after they're working out with us. But, you know, everybody has little aches and, and, and pains that they want to be looked at, and we're here for them. So the business works well that they can go to the fitness side after they're – I don't want to say done with us and never done with PT. Again, like what you're saying, get that screen. People go to the dentist, you know, twice a year for their teeth, but they're ignoring everything else in their body. That's you know? right. So That's right. I think if you can somehow get people to, to understand the fact that, you know, your body is, you know, that's, that's your life. That's your survival. That's your, that's everything you got. And if you can move a little better, feel a little better, that's just going to make everything a little bit better for you. So uh, we get a lot of those people that just want to feel and move a little bit better and they're not necessarily in pain and they find us, you know, through uh, Google searches and search engine optimization and blog posts and word of mouth, you know, that's, that's all of our referral. Our our budget for marketing is $0. We don't market at all. It's all oh, word of mouth. Great. So, um, yeah, it, it can happen. It is possible. You just got to, you know, become an advocate and become a leader in your area of, 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 of movement and, and, and strength training, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you look at uh, deductible plans and stuff like that. They're all going yeah. through the roof. It's almost like everything's catastrophic. Yeah. Um, and so if you're going to be spending $10,000 in a deductible, some of them, you know, patients are now telling us, you know, I just want to pay you to do the work. And yeah, and definitely. so we're definitely looking in that direction. And I think there's a lot of practices out there that are really looking like that. So yeah, uh, yeah great. Well, that's good to know. Um, so uh, before we wind down, Lenny, uh, tell me a little bit about LennyMacrina.com and, <laughs> and what you you're doing right now and uh, i see you've got some new stuff going and uh, so fill me in tell me what's going on yeah uh, working where i work with dave tilly and mike ryan and mike scaduto they all have websites so i would just always hear about wordpress and and filters and all this stuff and so last year you know mid 2017 i made the plunge and i uh i built my own website 
And so my, it was kind of my goal for my website, LennyMacrina.com is kind of my, my calling card, but where you can find me, um, for, uh, for anything, you know, and you can get in touch with me. You can get me to teach a course in your area. Um, or it's just where I, and I'm beginning to put some blog posts on some videos. So I think it's just getting comfortable writing, getting comfortable writing a blog versus I'm used to writing journal articles. So I'm used to that. My mind is, is a completely different world writing a blog post than writing a journal article. So my, uh, Mike has been a huge help because of his website, you know, Mike right. He's had that for years. So he knows how to optimize, you know, search engines, so to speak, and, and let Google find you. So he's been helpful and it's just again it's just trying to get my 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 take on pt my word on pt and just simplifying things i think we get a little too complicated in what we're trying to do out there i think we're trying to you know we're trying to attack too much and we're trying to do too much and i think if we can take a big step back and and teach the basics again and i think that's kind of the fundamentals of my of my website is just kind of going back to some of the basics of what has been hopefully successful for me the past 15 years and, and let people get a kind of glimpse of what I do. And it's not as complicated as you think and try to get, you know, especially new grads comfortable with interacting with people. I think that's a, that's a huge thing. And then I'm also on social media too, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at LenMacPT. So it kind of feeds, I kind of use social media to kind of get people to my website. Uh, and, and just hopefully people would want to subscribe to my website and be the first to kind of catch a blog post from me. So uh, yeah, it's just kind of simplifying the world of, of physical therapy. Yeah. Gosh, I almost want to say ditto here because I've I've been doing the same thing. I, I got into my own website, and uh, uh, that's been quite a challenge. I'm not very technical, you know. I am technically challenged, and so uh, we, that's been uh, it, it's been really fun though because we enjoy what we're doing, and uh, and uh, we're learning a lot as yeah. we as we get going here. And I think over the next year or so, things are really going to start uh, jumping and uh, connecting with guys like you is uh, is super, and I think it's going to be really helpful. And uh, so that's uh, that's been kind of a, a process. I'm also building another website for product that I've developed and uh, I'll shoot that stuff over to you at some point in the future, but that's uh, just about ready to go live here in the next uh, week or so. And uh, so uh, that's uh, another little project. I just wish we, you know, didn't have to eat, didn't have to sleep and do all that other stuff because <laughs> right. we could just go crazy with this. Right. Stuff. Well, for, um, for somebody who's not, who's very technically challenged, you seem to be doing okay. You got your own podcast. So you get, you got a big leg up on, on me. You're a, you got your own, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been at this for 25 years and I absolutely love it. Uh, I've never had a day where I've come to work and didn't want to be here. I love what I do. I love my staff. Yeah, I love awesome. helping get people get better. Yeah. And, um, and I just, I, I just want to take it to another step. You know, I've been, uh, we're in Northern Maine, so we don't have, you know, we, we send everybody to Boston actually right. for like the really, really big stuff. And right. uh, for yeah. when we really need some backup, that's where they go. Yeah. And uh, so we don't have access to sit down with uh, those types of folks that you get a chance to uh, communicate with. So I thought being online and doing this type of thing really will help us get connected and, yeah. uh, and let people know that, you know, just because we're in Northern Maine that we can still offer what the rest of the world offers. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that's awesome. So, um, Lenny, I really, really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, you know, I know you've got a, a family and a day off today, and uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, this has been an incredible uh, podcast, and uh, maybe we'll do some more in the future with uh, some different topics or something. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad we connected and uh, hopefully uh, we can connect in the future. So take care and uh, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.